0: Welcome to another episode of Relative Pitch. We really hope you guys enjoyed our Q&A episode last week that we had with our GMEA panelists. They're always so amazing to have on. They teach us so much. I think we even teach them things, which is why we love all just being together. Um, make sure you to go check that out if you have not already because we answered some a lot, a lot of great questions came out of the GMEA conference that we had and really important questions that we didn't even i don't think thought about ourselves um before starting the conversation so that's why it's so important for us and why q and a's are great as well to have at the end of those sessions but um as you probably noticed, i'm all alone over here but these two um, are together somehow fellas what's going on where are we a
1: much needed vacation okay um as you all know, you know, I'm up in the teaching world. And one thing I love about teaching is we get spring break. And let me just tell you, I need a spring break. I need a spring break. He don't do nothing. I do,
2: I, I know he ain't talking
1: doesn't
2: do thing. i'm in rehearsal until 9 p.m what you doing at 9 p.m in the bed asleep
1: okay but who's on up, your
2: ipad who's up at
1: 5 45 every morning
2: that's because you choose to be you ain't got to be there at 9 45 but guess
1: what as a teacher that cares for their students i'm up so and you and you there is no downtime in teaching mm. there isn't there really it like I don't get, you know how, like, if you work a regular nine to five, you get a break, or you can just sit back on your phone and just like, mm, no, 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 I can't do that. Because the first time I do that, little old Susie and Jeremiah is up on the walls. They turn this stuff over. My my marimba's going to be coming down steps. Like, I cannot do marimba's that.
0: Marimba's down the steps,
1: girl. <laughs> I got steps in my band room. So, next thing I know. steps. More like
2: layers. Layers like, like teeth,
1: teeth uh-huh, donkey uh, so we are on spring break while well, I'm on spring break Michael's university break. is wow. also on spring break so we are in where are we
2: we're in the sunny state of Florida
1: where where are we Anthony? we're in Miami <laughs> while Lauren is joining us via zoom, zoom <laughs> from New Mexico
2: um, yeah, these last three weeks have been crazy. I had my recital hearing, which was an hour and fifteen minutes. I had a DMA audition, which was two hours, and then I had my recital, which was an hour and a half.
0: Which I will have to say, listen, y'all. I, me, and Anthony were waiting for this recital. We were like, we were watching. Like I was in rehearsal on my phone, right yeah that's what happened child i'm texting anthony like this this was supposed to start right like what's going on and
1: she's like we sitting up in the waiting room for like the whole concert an hour and a and half Like, lorna texts me i'm texting back and we're and i text michael like michael <laughs> your room is like it's not we don't see not a thing we don't hear not a thing like he is here waiting to hear
2: i have like 45 people in that waiting room yes and then when I I collabed with one of our two, our tuba GA, Jordan DeWester, love her. Her grandparents sat on that thing from five to 6.45, still. waiting for it to open.
1: And if you go on a YouTube page right now, it still it's says still waiting. waiting.
2: Still waiting. It's not even, it's unlisted still waiting. Oof. Like, I don't know, you know, but you know, I'm happy. I've, I would never do an over an hour recital again, but I did. I did a whole hour and a half. So, and I did works I never thought I could do, but you know, we're here. We're loving it. I'm relaxed. I ain't got bags under my eyes still. Don't look too close though. Um, I'm about to get some sun on my white legs.
0: My white legs. And we're, I mean, so Michael's busy. Anthony just had his next audition, right? Anthony, what's been happening?
1: You know, I've been around these streets, um, you know, doing my little thing and we'll see, that goes we'll see where i'm at next year but you know good things are happening okay good things are happening so y'all better stay tuned
0: oh that's why i mean i i have to love relative pitch but at the same time i love us more because we are an entity we are a unit ourselves but then we are individuals doing our own things and i love
1: that i love that too because like the thing is we three are three different people that think three different ways, yes. but we all have this like common thing with us. And it's not just relative pitch, like we are friends outside of this. Okay, just cause me and Michael are here, if Lauren was on spring break, she would be sitting right here, okay? Lord. So like Lord. we are friends outside of relative pitch. And I think that's what make our conversations that we are gonna to have today and that we've had in the past and that we're gonna to continue to have so natural is because we are genuinely friends and we genuinely talk about these topics with y'all and also when the camera is not on as well
0: and that's exactly what i was going to say is all the conversations we have on mic we're probably or not probably we definitely have had them off mic too maybe not it, it framed exactly as articulately you know as we do here but still these are the things we're talking about and um I'm excited for today's episode because I always like a little bit of mess. Like, toxicity is a little yummy, right? Like, shout out to Joy Gidry. But, like, it's so great to have conversations that you feel like you're challenging yourself and the people who are listening to the conversation. And so, we want to talk about being uncomfortable and why we still feel uncomfortable with certain things to this day, especially in classical music. Um, So, like, I mean, uncomfortability usually comes from a lack of familiarity, is from what I found. If you are not familiar with something, you're going to be uncomfortable with it, right? Um, and so there, over, the, over time, I think as, we, as music has started trying to shift more back into the societal lens of actually shifting like to say these are the things that are happening. We're seeing like whenever there are social things that are happening in the news or the media, people react to it through art. Right. That's how it's always been. I think there's a bigger emphasis on that now, um, because in the past, it seems like over the past few years, we kind of got away from that, to be honest. Like, we just wanted to hear music for the sake of music, which I get that. But then when you only do that, when you only do that, you're taking away the meaning of a lot of those pieces and why those things were written. And so you have to be ready to have conversations centered around the music that you are playing. And some of those conversations might get a little sticky
1: That is you know and this just brought up a question um, that I want to post to you all before we get um, too far is do you all think in the past maybe 40, 50 years that it has become socially unacceptable in the music world to write pieces about what's going on in the world because like okay 40 50 years ago let's just take music for Prague, 1968. Let's let's take that. First of all, when that was written, obviously it was written about, you know, invasion, yada yada, but it was received very well. Okay. Now we've had wars since then in America. We've had the Gulf War, um, we've had the war in Iraq, uh, war in Afghanistan, and, you know, I haven't heard music that is centered but besides, besides maybe 2002 to 2003 when the, when the world Trade Center went down um which I think uh, uh John Adams won to put prize for a symphony of souls or a symphony or something like that but other than that it hasn't been and even when let's take it a little further when pieces are written about social you know issues like black lives matter anything like that it comes off very bad. Um, is not received very well. So what do y'all think about that? We went from we are reacting to, oh, we're scared to react now.
2: I think the last piece I know of that was written about a social issue was maybe John Crigliano's first symphony. Mm. I think it was about HIV or Mm -hmm. AIDS. Mm -hmm. Um, Which, that's a touchy subject. Yeah, Because especially a disease that only kills off gay people. Mm the African-American community. Mm -hmm. That was very coincidental. Yeah. Hashtag conspiracy. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know, I don't know that like if if it switched focus away, like maybe music was like, you know, we could talk about this, the Iraq war, the Afghanistan war, but let's not. Mm -hmm. And they might've wanted to focus on other things, maybe transcendental things, maybe atmospheric things. You You really can never tell what happens in a composer's mind. But recently, there's been a lot of music written about what happened in the past couple of years and a lot of music commissioned for that sole purpose. And that's where I have a problem. I want you just to just commission an artist to commission an artist. Don't put any realms or ramifications on them. Like not even, if you can, don't even put instrumentation references on them. Just be like, hey, I want you to write a piece. Because that where they would do their most work. Like wind band composers, I want to let you know, you don't have to commission only wind band works. You can start a commission to do anything. And it would be a lot better if because like they might feel limited with just wins. What if they want to do a major wind band with some strings in it, but you just said wind band? Like you put a limitation on them. Let their mind go free. You might get something like the Quartet for the Time, which was also written about something that was never commissioned. He Correct. just wrote it. So like we need to stop putting limitations on composers and just give them the money to do whatever they want. This
0: is true yeah no i i agree and i know the mine and the wheelhouse that michael's coming from because there are people who are like don't ask me to come talk just for black history month don't ask me to just come talk for this month right because they feel like their entire being is is political because every time they're asked to do things it's centered around something that's in terms of advocacy or something and they're just like what if i just want to write music so there are people and composers who do think in that realm and i do understand that and then there are composers who are like anytime i'm able to talk on subjects that have affected me in my community i want to do that and i have to say i lean more towards that side than anything and i can understand and relate to that side more because i don't want pieces being written on subjects by people who have no idea what those people actually go through, and the perspectives that those communities and those groups actually have, and I feel like if these commissions weren't happening for those specific reasons, that maybe, unfortunately, there would be a gap, a hole left in the in the need for pieces to represent those certain things. It does that make sense? Like, well, I can.
2: But then we have people pushing trauma on other people, right? Like, they don't want to, what if they don't want to work through their trauma right now? What if they want a couple of years to work through their trauma? And that's my only thing. Like I, I want pieces to be written about what's happening in life all the time. I don't want no gap, but also I don't want someone to be pushed into their trauma. Cause when you write a piece that it, it consumes you, it's like <laughs> acting, it's like anything. And I don't want someone to be consumed in trauma. Cause that's where bad stuff can happen and people can leave the industry and we never hear their voice again or they might leave the earth and that's even worse.
1: Do you think that we have composed, I, I feel like I don't, I never hear a composer anymore who just wrote a piece because this is how they're feeling. It always kind of feels like, oh, I was asked to do this, so here it is. Yeah, exactly. And like the piece that we're, we're about to talk about, that was something that he just said, this is how I'm feeling, this, yep. this. Nobody asked me to write this, I didn't get no money from this. This is what I am feeling. And I- I like those. I just, and maybe because like my, my what I listen to is wind band and wind band is a, a, a realm where commissions are very popular. Um, but I don't know, orchestral or solo literature that people are just still writing music just to write music. Um, and I know nowadays it's a lot more money is placed on you to do it. Like if a composer writes a piece and nobody you know, buys it, you're not eating. So I, I understand it, but I just, so I felt like a lot more things back in the day were probably more genuine.
2: I do miss the whole reading about like, I wrote this piece because I heard this person play an instrument mm. and I wanted to hear my voice and their voice work together. Like that kind of music, that speaks volumes like they just heard it and they had to like write something or they were like, like we just had a piece by Jack Stamp, which is a wind band composer. He wrote this piece with no commission. The old director of bands at Western Michigan died over the pandemic. And he wrote a piece within a week and just sent it to us. It was like, this is how I feel about how my friend died. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't see a lot of those pieces being written. Yeah. Like. I understand we are playing the monetary game and prices are going up and stuff, but we can't lose our authenticity and our genuine nature, because I will tell you one thing that has changed my life recently for performers and this could be conductors, educators, anything. The more authentic and genuine you are, the less anybody cares about imperfections because that means you are authentic. If I went out there last week and did a note perfect recital, that would be the most b- boring and vanilla thing I ever did in my life. But I went out there and I lost count. I missed a couple of notes. I went for stuff and it did not go well. I went for stuff and it went amazing. That is genuine and authentic because that's who I am. That is some of what's missing in our community right now is we need more people just do it for the art mm. because you will, get your, you will get your flowers. If we feel authenticity, you will get your flowers. Absolutely.
0: I think the biggest thing in like, everything y'all just said I was like yes ding 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 ding. and I was writing things down in my brain because when it comes to because commissioning is money right that's just the truth behind it commissioning is that means like so a group of people go hey composer we want you to write a piece but there are usually a lot of restrictions in terms of we want it for this ensemble maybe this specific layout of um, instrumentation and then like we want it to be about maybe this subject to have this many movements to include this element so it can be super like um like uh what is it restrictive um if if done that way and there are other giving them just a wide parameter of just do this stuff but at the same time like in other some certain other countries they what like composers have way more ability to just do that to just write whatever they want to write because they have the money and the support from the the government first of all the government saying we need artists art is essential to our economy and people want to play that music and they're going to want to play it and so there's less of a i feel like a um a a fear of not getting funding for or not having people play it because they're like it's fine I'm still going to have money so and so or this is going to still be a thing whereas here there are some composers who go no 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 my commissions are how I make my money so I want that complete um
1: you know uh, uh, an uh, avenue whatever of music that doesn't do commissions whatsoever but music has always been written choir Mm
0: -hmm.
1: choir like there is so much new music being written for choir that is not committed, like I, I'm also in the choir, like I know one commissioning and it's by the American Core Director Association. They usually commission one person um, and it's actually, you have to submit yourself um, and they actually look at all the composers and are like, okay, we like your stuff. So we you have won, Com- you were gonna write a piece, that's it. But everything else, because usually choral composers, they really write within and what is on their hearts. So
2: I'll pose a question, y'all. You think this commissioning thing is selfish? You think it's, I commission John Crigliano. Oh, people I use it that way. Yeah, like if, if that is a thing, like do you think the wind band's like, okay, let me see how many people I can commission. Let me see how progressive I can get. Mm. Um. Or are we really trying to expand the art? I like, think I know. Oh, sorry. You no, go. you con- continue. Uh, I was going to say everything that I've commissioned is trying to expand non-chamber stuff, like non-traditional chamber. Like I'm not going to commission other brass quintet work. There's plenty out there. I want to commission something with trumpet, violin, cello, and a theremin. I don't know. <laughs> like something you're never going to hear in your right. life. Like, um, like i didn't want to commission stuff because it's just fun like let me it's like a challenge almost or let me just that. Like, hey i really like this art from this composer they never thought about getting paid in their life i've commissioned two artists that never thought about getting paid in their life and i paid them i was like i want you to write something for electronics and me and you can throw any other instrument in there i just want at least electronics and trumpet those are the only two things and like they were like wow, people actually like what I do. I only commission for myself. Mm-hmm. I only compose for myself. It shows a different light. Like we need to start searching people who don't do, who don't, not, don't think they're good enough, but that's how everybody gets a start. Yeah. But I, I was wondering if y'all thought it was a selfish thing that wind band is commissioning all this other stuff.
1: I think it started out good because you got remember wind band music was big on transcription of orchestral stuff. Dude. So it came, was like, all right, we need to commission these quotes to finally write for us. Um and which is a it's a great thing because the thing composers, their livelihood is put these people buying she music, which you know, come on our copyright laws and everything like you got okay. You gonna get sued. <laughs> uh, so you you have to you know buy their works and buy their art for them to either, a continue, um, and co- continue to write and live. Okay, um, so I think in that realm it's good. But sometimes I think say composer A, the only time composer A writes is when there's a commission then that music is stale. It's like, I've heard this before and, I, and I'm not gonna say any names, but there was a piece I heard at Midwest that was commissioned Midwest Midwest. Um, and it sounded terrible.
0: Terrible, terrible.
1: It was a commissioned piece and it was by a composer that I believe when that composer started, it was really about what that composer felt. But ever since then, it's been uh, factory, factory, factory. This is it, Whoa. this is the new stuff. And I'm like, I've heard this before. Nothing was cutting edge about it. And this is going to go to a piece that probably it may be performed in the first year and then nobody else performs it. Like it's, it's stale. It's very stale.
0: And I think commissioning is one of those things that started off with good intentions, right? Like Anthony was talking about, making actual music for the wind band realm instead of having transcriptions yes that is great having composers be able to write new music and get paid for it amazing but now what it's turned into is exactly what y'all are saying which is it's just kind of like it is stale because it feels like instead of having the artistic freedom to just think and make things the way you ha- would have wanted to if if, if the money wasn't even sta- staring you right in the face because with that money comes that pressure, right, to write it a certain way or maybe you're thinking, well, it's these certain ensembles who are doing it or it's this type of person who's commissioning. I know what they're going to want. No. Like, I feel like it, sh- it. that is where we start getting into the realm of conformity and the conformity is what brings that staleness, that whole, like, I feel like I've heard this before factor, you know?
1: And you know let's talk about conformity. What about when you these pieces that are very provocative, very provocative that um will definitely require an an extra step before presenting it mm. how How would you feel about that?
0: I think. <laughs> In general, I will have to say also because we have just left Black History Month and we are going, we are in currently in Women's History Month. I've been seeing a lot of very similar posts being put out there by organizations who should have no business posting anything about Black people or women or anything because you don't support us, so don't. And so my biggest thing is like the whole idea of like when you're talking about these things, especially when you're on subjects that are so... I don't even want to say touchy, but very sensitive areas of conversation for certain people um, and certain groups. You have to put in the time and the work to make sure that you are representing this work the way, first of all, that the composer, the artist intended it for. Because they wrote it because for a reason, right? They usually have notes or they do interviews and talk about why they specifically wanted to do the music the way that they wanted to. And this kind of segues a little bit into one of the first artists we want to talk about who is Julius Eastman now Julius Eastman I never really was introduced to him throughout my education like he was not a voice that I was told about and it was something that going out and like going more into the activism side and getting into that type of like that arena of music is what introduced me to Julius Eastman um, and Julius Eastman was a composer, um, he is past, but he is an American composer, pianist, vocalist, dancer, and he was really associated a lot with minimalism, right? So this is kind of that area where we're talking about, I just wanted to write it because it sounded this way, and this is what it kind of came into my head and everything, right? Um, and a lot of his music also has a lot of pop elements to it like I there was one piece I was just listening to by him and it had a groove like it was just like okay like I feel like I could hear this on the radio like this has a lot of it was like pop classical um like funk in the mix of it and everything but Julius Eastman um first of all very amazing prolific composer who is so interesting to read about and the more you read about him and learn about him and the more music you listen to by him the more like inspired you are like because that's how I feel but a big part of of his music that he really made intentional was how provocative he wanted to be and the emotions he wanted to pull from the performers, but also the um, audience members of this music. And so one of, I think, the most controversial um, piece out there, I guess series technically by Julius Eastman is and disclaimer uh, for those of you who are not familiar <laughs> or comfortable with this word um, but the series is titled the nigger series okay that is what it's titled if you go online and type in julius eastman and you type in that title it'll come up because that's what that's how he wrote it okay and so i already know a lot of you already just went did lauren just say that w-? i did and you want to know why I said that word is because that's the title of it. Okay. That's look, look. this is exactly what we're talking about, right? How in the world do you talk about music in that sense? Whenever you have what p- some people would say, this is a boundary, right? This is, this is a barrier for, for music. Cause some people are going to say, I could never play that piece. Cause I could never say it. I could never write it.
1: Hearing that that many times. And in that way, I'm uncomfortable. Mm. I, I, I'm going to be completely out it because that word has such a just terrible, terrible connotation and terrible meaning. In um, which I totally understand why he wrote it because, number one, he wants to bring awareness to this. But, child, just hearing it that many times, re- I'm just like, whoa, whoa. And my qu- and my question to everybody, how can a person who is not Black talk about that and say it? Because we are, we always don't, I've been not hearing n- anything come out of your mouth, but not ever hear it come out your mouth. So how do we expect our, the professors who we are asking to shed light on music like this, how can they do that?
0: I think in, they, in this same article, he talks, um, he says, first of all, I'm fully aware of how controversial these titles are and keep trying to figure out what approach to take to address them. Don't repeat the exact titles and ignore the wish of the composer or cite them as intended and risk offending some members of the audience. Here's Eastman. The person in this article writes, the trickster at work creating a problem for which there is no good solution. I can almost hear him cackling away as he takes in people's discomfort from behind. So it's already this whole conversation starting about how this was intentional because if you don't say it, then you're not accurately representing what the composer intended but if you do say it then you do run a risk of offending someone in the audience now the next section is where exactly what you were talking about anthony my solution for lectures in the past has been to play eastman's spoken explanation play his spoken explanation before i start followed by a warning and an apology in advance for articulating words that are so offensive and so it's already saying, listen, we understand that this word holds negative connotation because of the past and what it's associated with. Yes. But also at the same time, isn't it important? Because, okay, this is my this is my whole thing. Bring it bridging to society. Woo, 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 woo. Rappers and artists who use the N word and use that word, but the more slang version of that word in their music and everything there's also a conversation around that of like people saying you shouldn't use that word at all i, I wish no one would say that word so what what like what, what is your argument like but both of you like what do you think about this in terms of if you're in your car and you're listening to nikki meg you listening to like 21 Sat, like all these people and they're dropping this word and you're in the car you're singing it da, 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 all these things what's the difference and also like what why, like why do people get uncomfortable? Because well, there are people who will get uncomfortable with this instance, and people who get uncomfortable with hearing that word in songs as well, like popular music.
1: So I'm totally fine with hearing it from a black person. Mm. Period. Mm. i like I'm fi- me personally. I'm fine here from a black person because number one, that is a term that was used against us. That that is the the difference. Um, Now, if I was to end with you saying you are a black person, we that is what we have because, and we've also as a black community, we have taken a word that was used so negatively, and we have used it. We have we are turning that conversation around as something as familiarity um, Mm -hmm. between you know one another, and and even the hard er still not really used. Um, just like in the gay community, the F word is slowly Hi. coming around. I know some people are still, some people are still, you know, even in the gay community are still very like, mm-mm, but in like places like San Francisco and like Miami. New York, Miami, places like that, where it's very, Atlanta. yeah, where it's very, I guess, progressive. That word is coming into modern vernacular amongst gay individuals. Mm-hmm. So the N word, from a black person Sure we That is our thing But let me sit in a lecture hall And Watch a solo recital Or watch a solo recital Given by a white person Even with the voiceover And the apology and the warning I still l- Let me hear no- Anything come out of your Done
2: And it's, it's not even that like it's that is what that's a huge thing. But also that could derail any type of career they wanted. Like, honest, like if there was a F-word series ever created and I was sitting there, sorry, you're you're done. You're done. Because I I'm like and I think this happens in the, the elder African American community. The reclaiming does not make sense. Does not. Like, there's a lot of people I know, I think, uh, like I've run into contact, they're like, my children will not use that word around me. Even though they're reclaiming it for their generation, that's nice. Mm-hmm. I'm one of those elder gays, if you want to call it. Reclaiming that word is not empire prerogative. Mm-hmm. I don't want to use it in my vicinity. I don't even care if you use a short one with a Y on the end, like, oh my God, like all these like young, it's just, It to me, and I know it's very different from uh, the word we're talking about still has so much negativity in it. Mm -hmm. And I don't want that anywhere around me Mm -hmm. because the minute I hear it, it's like a red trigger. I see red only and I will finish in handcuffs. Mm -hmm. Like that word just, it, it just does not sit well. It doesn't even roll off the tongue. First of all, you have to make it, Make it roll off the tongue. So you have a and fist people of fury. Do, do. You
1: got a fist of fury. Fist of
2: fury. Uh, but, uh, so but I understand the reclaiming. I understand the reclaiming. But this, that, like, I don't even, I'm sorry. I don't care about the the whole um, the voiceover with the apology and all this other stuff. Let somebody from that community with that history perform these pieces and let them live their truth. We don't need, okay. I don't need to live their truth. That
0: ain't I'm going sure. to tie, tie this back into the conversation we had like before we could turn the cameras on. We were talking about Django, right? And we are talking about method acting and how Leo had to kind of get into that role and the way he chose to do it and how... Because people... I remember there's still people who talk about it. They're like, that felt a little bit... It sounded a little bit too comfortable for him, right? Yeah. So whenever... Yeah. Let's talk about it. Let's really actually talk about this for a second. Where is the separation between art... And we're back in reality, right? Because people Django got so many acclaims and awards and all these amazing things, and no one's like going and beating down Leo's doors, right? Because he said he said the words I multiple bet He times. did get some letters though. I bet I he mean, did get some letters. Going to though, right? But like the thing about it is, the people who are around him, like someone said, what Samuel Jackson was saying, get over it. Like get over it, because we're doing this because it, this is what we're doing, right? So. What, this is, this is, because there are going to be people who ask this question and I'm, that's why I'm posing it because I, I get everything you're saying, but then when it's okay for this realm and then not okay with this realm, tell me what the separation is between when it's okay and then when it's not okay. And I'm being devil's advocate for a reason here because I'm seeing in this, in, in, especially as these things come up more and there are still movies and TV shows who use vernacular like that and use those terminologies whenever they're trying to portray a character or a idea that is centered around that so i mean is one day is that shit just all or is it sorry, excuse me but is it all gonna go away like that, uh, and I, i'm saying okay.
2: that, <laughs> what that and filmed? Django, yeah
1: 2000 like six seven uh, so that was
2: before seven. the black lives matter movement even started like yeah. really kicked up since that movement started have we heard something like that on film
1: 12 years of slave
2: was that after 2016
1: no okay after 2016. honestly any movie after 2016 that has something to do with black, i kind of just it was very traumatic yeah i just didn't watch it but i'm pretty sure i mean there's been movies like the nathaniel um uh, the uh, the Nathaniel uprising, um, uh, where a white person said it. I don't know, but that, I'm pretty
2: that, sure. Like that's that, like that. that that's, that's, a, that's a that's a question for me. Since 2016, have we seen anything like this? Since 2020, have we seen anything like this? I, like that's like, it happened in 2000. What four, six, seven, eight, whatever happened? But since these two landmark things that happened, have we seen art like this? Because I mean. If we went, if us three went to a Lang Lang performing two pianos and he did this and he played the thing and he said, sorry, he said, here's the warning, And he said it, something major would happen to
1: his career. Okay. I I think. I want to go back to the argument about like people saying about like rap. Well, rappers can say it, but why can't we?
2: That's the, their home.
1: The point, the, the people who are asking that question. Because they want to say it. They want to say it. That's they, what they, like. Because <laughs> it's finally something that the white community, I'm just going to say, it, it's finally something that the white community know they can't flat out and say it. Because they used to, and they used to have ownership of that. Then we like, uh, uh, you ain't going to say all that. Now they want to say it it's, so bad. Yeah. They want to say it. And like, even there are people who like, well, uh megan said it and it's in the song and if you want to respect art you gonna say no you don't
2: have to say it you can let it play don't believe and then here's something that is where i put a very heavy thing we do not censor classical music we don't censor nazi themes we don't censor xxx themes that we have heard the the battle hymn of the republic we Mm -hmm. still hear that we still have all these themes
1: Uh, but when it comes
2: the confederate one All of them, every bad thing you could hear, like anything. We don't censor any of those. Mm -hmm. And especially after this year, we're not going to censor anything Russian. Mm -hmm. We're not. Mm -hmm. It's not going to happen. But in popular culture, we censor every word Mm -hmm. that does not align with nice Christian home values. Because that's not a thing. But my thing is, when I listen to this music, 90s, 80s, 2000, 2010 r&b rap hip-hop that's their home that's their that's their childhood that was common vernacular that they used and they reclaimed on their own they didn't go search out oh now i am 18 i can say this word no that that was what they heard growing up all this slang is not something written down in a what's the same the coral people use ipa it's not ipa for them that's what they grew up that's how they talked and they put that into their art. That that's what I see. But we're censoring their art. We're censoring how they grew up. We're censoring their childhood. We're censoring their heritage. But over here in classical music, we're not censoring. Not a damn
0: thing.
1: So but, so on that with the, with what we're talking about the yeah. So if you take that same argument That's true. But I'm not going to
0: no let, let me let me say that though because that's exactly as soon as you said that I just went okay so now there's no there's no one who can say that Julius Eastman is wrong for writing anything that he wrote not and wrong. nothing, nothing. He's so not so then also let's say this by if we're saying like for if you're fine with if you hear see a black girl like out her car singing "Meg" and she says the word you wouldn't think about it right because you're like she's black she can say that so then if there were let's say Sphinx decided to do. Sphinx decided to actually um, get like players who wanted to actually play perform this piece, and they're an all black ensemble who that's wanted fine. to talk-, talk about this. And that's they fine. actually read aloud, played all this, and said, "We're gonna say it." So okay. y'all are saying for that in that sense, that parallel is accurate. Perform- I want it,
2: but like that's like that's like that is completely fine. Let's see uh, a group of white girls in a jeep
1: pull that Megan and said
2: no. oh wait you know, minute. that. What's that song that had it in like every sentence. Um there's a song when we were growing up and I had it in every sentence and you see white people saying it. The entire car ride, are you going you going to keep riding next to them? Oh, you see the New York Phil, <laughs> you see the New York Phil do this series with four white pianists. You going to sit there and watch it? That's yeah. where I'm coming from here. Like I'm okay with it being performed, let people with that heritage and that level of scholarship and want to do it, let them do that.
1: So I think when we are discussing pieces like this and when we're talking about these in our academic um, classes, what I think we need to do is find recordings and find where this has been performed and just let it play. Hmm. where say the sphinx orchestra does this and they put it on youtube but we talk about this in our classes which i think we definitely need to talk we about need it to talk about in, it. It. in our classes i think instead of a white professor because unfortunately in higher education for music it's it's it's, really, yes. it's mainly white men um so when they are speaking about this piece i don't think they should and need to say it. I think they need to bring awareness to it and then let it play where let's talk about this piece. Let me not, I'm not gonna say, it. if I was white, I'm not gonna say it, but I do want to say everything about it. I want to I want explain- to talk about it. I want to have Julie's an open dialogue, Correct.
2: but like, let's just say us three were in a graduate seminar and a white man was up there and he was about to say this. What do you think that classroom will react? I'm
1: leaving.
0: Oh, first of all, let me get, make this clear. I'm not advocating for any of y'all non-black people to say this word because let me tell you something i have no whatever happens to you based on who was around you at that time what happens to you so and i don't think i really don't believe that julius eastman was also advocating for that necessarily i think more than anything he was saying how are you going to frame this how are you going to if you want to talk about teach this music how are you going to do it in a way that you're not taking away from the purpose and the intention yeah,
1: sure. <laughs> of, without. I, just, I just thought about something like what if we were sitting in a class and, and we and we knew we knew what the that lesson then, was about to happen we knew that this white professor was low-key racist mm. and he talks about this and he just says all right today we're talking about this. That would be Anthony's classic line, be the table. We are we starting <laughs> to oh, race wars, right? <laughs> right. right? Because we know. And then right. this goes back to when you are going to present this piece, You have authenticity. to be genuine. Authentic
2: Because you can if you want to talk about this, like I hope if I'm ever like talking about solo literature or chamber literature, I would love to bring this up, but you know what I would do? I'll bring in a guest not because i'm not qualified to talk about it because i want to give somebody else the platform that's the whole thing of inviting somebody to the table mm. instead of taking their seat because mm. mm. this there's probably scholars out here who talk about this mm. they, I, i've never heard of them i would love to find them out because if i have a chamber class this is chamber music two pianos that's chamber once you have more than one player that's chamber let me invite them to the table and give them a platform within my classroom mm. Not because I don't feel like I should talk about this. I will, I will enter the discussion as a student because there's more I can learn, even at that stage in my career. But just, I I get the whole reclaiming and everything. I love that for people. But like for me and myself and I, I can't not say take part in it, but I have some hesitation. And we need to make sure that people know ooh, 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 there's boundaries to every word. Everybody. Word.
0: Yeah, I what when you're talking about reclaiming, because I think I like you hear you talk about not really necessarily supporting the idea of rec- like reclaiming, but then at the same time, you're saying these rappers they grew up in this and this is something that they are all about, and da da da. So, for like for, for in that sense, do you see how there may be a little bit of confusion in the sense of like it's like. Okay, there are the people who are saying this is a part of my identity, my culture, to say this word, to use this within art, isn't that the same thing of, of saying this is me, this is my heritage, this is my culture, and I'm expressing that through my own art medium and explaining that, that that is exactly what they're doing within their art, which is exactly what Julius Eastman does, and that's why the explanation was so significant because he was like, this is how I think about this in my head. And this is what makes sense to me, my culture, my heritage, my upbringing, my perspective. And so that that is where I'm saying if we understand that whenever there are rappers who are saying that within their lyrics and we're like, yeah, we bump it. I bump it. Guess what? In my car, I will be bumping it. I will be saying it because that is me. That is what I, who I am, part of my culture. But exactly when it comes to this too... People have to understand if you have accepted that part of music in society in terms of that, you have to accept this too. Yes. And you, you accept that in the car, if, if it's me, Michael Anthony, and a song comes on with the N word, guess who won't be saying it? Guess who won't be saying it? Exactly. And that is understood by all of us. By all... I will never say the F word ever because that is not who... That's not mine. That is not for me to claim to have ever because that is not who I am. So I am saying all this to say... I'm sure there are people who are listening to this and they're like, oh my goodness, like this is so much to think about. But for real... You have to understand, because this is what we do. We bring in the parallels between what's going on in society and what we are doing in classical music. And this is why we can have these conversations and why we should have these conversations.
2: I agree. Like me and Anthony have had these conversations, especially with the F word, because we share that part. Absolutely. And Anthony, he might say it in his own free time, but he doesn't doesn't say it around me because he knows how I feel. That's a respect level. Another thing, let's go to the one out, one title on that track, the gay gorilla, right? I will never play that piece, first of all, because I don't play piano. But second of all, what does that last word have to do with the connotation of the African-American community? Mm. Like that, like.
1: That would be a term for me. That would be a, a negative connoti- like a negative stereotype of a black gay
2: Yeah. And like that, even that track, the one track that quote unquote, white people could say Mm -hmm. has so much packed into it. That is like, cause first of all, the LGBTQ I plus um, was not accepted within that, any community that wasn't white for the longest time and white people didn't even accept that community for the longest time. So there's like that extra level of trauma and past lived stuff. And it's like, I respect this art immensely. And I wanted to hear it performed, I want to hear a lecture recital on it, but I want somebody that might be in Anthony's shoes that share both communities, to present on this kind of stuff, but I'm not going to force anybody to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to force anybody to that niche because that's pushing them into their trauma. I'm not going
1: to commission them to write a transcription of these pieces because yeah, that's forcing them into their trauma. It. but and, like, and so on that, like, so we we've been talking about like movies, and I said earlier, like, I haven't watched certain movies because I it, I personally feel very traumatic about it. So like, one movie that I still have yet to watch and I respect it a lot is Moonlight for Mm -hmm. example. Because Moonlight talks about being Black, being gay, growing up with that uh, intersectionality and how, you know, for a long time they were in the closet, yada, yada, yada. I know the story and I'm like, okay, but have I watched it? And look, it won the Oscar, best picture. Have I watched it? No. Because it's, it's traumatic. Maybe I did not live what, um, I forget the main character's name, what he lived through, but it's very close or it's in that arena. And I'm sorry, like I've just, traumatic things I'm not trying to really relive. Like, because I. the thing is, I know my history. I remember in high school, and this is like when the first, I would say the, the part one of the Black Lives Matter movement kind of started. Um, this is like when the Martin Luther King movie came out and like all of these and like my friends was like we're going to see this movie and i'm like i'm i'm good and i was like why i was like because i know my history my parents as i was growing up they educated me on this history mm-hmm. my my father was born and raised in a segregated place mm-hmm. okay he was 10 years old when when desegregation started actually 11 or 12 actually when desegregation started to Actually happened. So I have parents who have who have taught me this history. So no, I don't need to go to the movies and say I think yes, we need to support yep. it, and especially the black directors and the black black cast members and the black musicians who plays the music. Um, but it's living trauma. It's living trauma.
2: And if you need to go see it, and you're a part of that community, go see it. Absolutely. Like, but if you feel like it's going to push you through so much trauma, you don't need to go see it. Mm-hmm. like also little side note can we start putting our musicians in the title credits it's like it's not going to take up any extra space like the Incredibles 2 was the first time wasn't the Incredibles yeah. 2 first time it's ever done no one cares about the title credits but they do it's that extra level of oh, respect I there. like but no I mean this is this has been a, like a great topic of discussion and it like it will inform a lot of people and everybody needs to go think about their own personal. Don't agree with like Lauren, Anthony, or I, or you don't have to particularly disagree with one of us. Like, oh, I'm gonna disagree with that one because I want to. Like, th- come up with your own opinion. Mm-hmm. Think of what you would say in this opinion because you might be putting that thing. And like, yeah.
1: Come on, and let us know what you think because, I mean, we have our own opinions, but I would love to hear what some of you have to say too because, you know, my trauma, It's not your trauma. It's not any of their traumas or what yours is might not be ours. And you might have a completely different, um, idea of what, anything that we just said. So we would love to hear what you have to say.
0: And I will, I will just leave it on, um, the idea that whenever we were talking about at the beginning, this idea of people creating music because of what was inside of them, right? Was this piece not something that was boiling inside of julius eastman was this not a piece that was on the front because then people when people the argument of people saying well it's going to make people uncomfortable what do you think is going on inside a person like like to write out something like this to have these opinions and to have this perspective of this and so the idea of censoring and making things more digestible for certain groups of people just because it's a hard topic to talk about and it's or it's just uncomfortable in general are you doing more harm by making certain people comfortable because then what are you doing for the people who that is their art that is their per, their their perspective that is their history what are you doing by saying Okay, that's cool that, that you had that perspective, but you can't talk about it because it makes other people uncomfortable. Can you imagine that? Think about people who are victims of sexual assault and all those things who imagine if they were told you can't talk about that because that makes other people uncomfortable. I just want to leave you with that because I, I get how these conversations, no matter who you are, can make you uncomfortable, can make you kind of go like, I'm a little queasy. But think about how those people from those perspectives feel. That is what art is. It's taking it from within, letting it out, and being able to share that, because that is a process of healing, is letting that out in a certain sense, of being able to go, I am releasing this, and I made it into art, rather than having that all inside you. That's, all I, that's what I want to leave on. I want to go back to the, what the actual purpose of art is. And the idea behind art and exactly what we were talking about at the beginning of not just having someone commissioned saying we want you to talk about this or so and so so this is what is inside me um so that's what i want to leave you on go go check it out go check out all of julius eastman's work because it's it's so much of it so it, it just it, the feeling it evokes with the minimalism and the and the the pop structures it has within it and, and the the meaning and the intention behind everything it's deep and so, get into it for sure. And uh, we we hope that this conversation, this isn't a conversation to enjoy. This is an, this is a conversation to think about and to really de- like dive deep within and understand what's what your own perspectives are on these things. So, let us know what you think. Um, and we'll be, we'll be back next week. Always relative pitch. Peace, y'all.